Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck and I'm joined here with my daughter, Paige Peck Baumert. Hi, Paige. Hello. So, Paige... Today, we are going to talk about the how of happiness. So everybody yes. wants to be more happy, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But how to do it? That's the thing. <laughs> how do you become more happy? Is there like some light switch that you flick or is there something that you can do? Well, we're going to share 20 strategies today in this short little podcast for how to have increasingly lasting happiness, not just the fleeting kind, because I could give you about 40 million things like, you know, go sit on the beach, eat chocolate, you know, all the, those aren't <laughs> lasting happiness. So we're going to be talking about how to gain lasting happiness. So this is going to be really fun. But before we do that, we want to talk about a fun family activity. We always do that. That's a tradition here at the Teaching Self-Government podcast. And today the fun family activity is a game that I invented, Paige, when you and Quinn were just little tykes. And it's a game called the what if game. And I don't even know if you remember it because- I think I do, but do I could you? be wrong. So go ahead and explain it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I, I was like, I bet you, you don't even remember this because we started doing it when you were tiny, although we did it with London and Porter too. And so you probably remember it from then. But what I would do is especially when we were on like little walks or when we were driving in the car and we would be talking because I like to have car time be talk time, even with little toddlers, it's fun to have talk time. And I would try to help you develop your problem solving abilities. And so we, we invented this little game called the what if game. And so I would say, Paige, what if Quinn came into your room and took your Lammy and wouldn't give it back? What would you do? And if you know Paige, her little Lammies, they were the prize. <laughs> possession that she owned yes yeah super cute little lammies that she carried around by their necks and they <laughs> seem like elongated necked lammies okay. <laughs> anyway but so then you would think about it and you would go hmm I would tell him a no answer no those are my <laughs> lammies and then I would say what if he still wouldn't give your lammies back what if he didn't accept your no answer and you would think about it and you would say, I would come and talk to mom, <laughs> you know, uh, or, I mean, sometimes, sometimes you guys said things that were like, not the right thing. Right. Yeah. Sometimes you'd say stuff like, I would scream and grab my lammy, you know, I mean, you know, or something <laughs> or like, I would hit them, you know, or something. But I mean, and then when we would say, well, now, is that the best way to handle it? Or do we have any other options? What else <laughs> could we do in that situation? So this what if game is not just for toddlers. It could be for anyone. But it was super fun to play with toddlers and because it would prepare the little one's brains for problem solving. Oh, what if someone comes up to me in a car when I'm playing in the front yard and they ask me, 
if I want a candy or they ask me something, what do I do? Um, or what if another child in the neighborhood does this? Or what if I can't find my, my Lammy? It's lost. What do I do? Mm-hmm. You know, and they can think of options of how to handle their problems. So um, I, I loved seeing the little sparks fly and the children thought it was fun because it was kind of like, it was like, create your own adventure, like create your <laughs> own story. Well, yeah. What would I do? You know, and they get thinking and it's engaging and a little emotional sometimes kind of fun. <laughs> so there's a game for you. Get your children problem solving. It's called the what if game, have fun with it, right? Don't take it like too seriously, but have a good time. Okay, here at the Teaching Self-Government podcast, we discuss everything through the lens of self-government. Paige, there's so many different ways to explain self-government. What is something that you feel like would help people understand self-government a little bit better today? What is self-government to you? Well, the way that we describe it through Teaching Self-Government is being able to determine the cause and effect of any given situation and possessing a knowledge of your own behaviors so that you can control them. Okay. So that last bit so that you can control them means you get to choose it. Yeah. But I think another important aspect of it is you have to actually know what's going on, know what you're doing, how you're feeling, what, you know, brought on those feelings and emotions and what you're going to do with it all. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Good point. You have to be self-aware, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have taken the time to go, wait a minute. What am I feeling? Is this productive? What am I going to do with it? And then make a choice, right? Make a plan for yourself. So that is what it means to self-govern. Self-government does not mean that every feeling is bad and that you should stuff it down or anything like that. Self-government means being able to acknowledge what those things are and then knowing what to do with them and having the skills and and developing those skills so that you can choose to be okay. You can choose to communicate the most effectively. You can choose to not put yourself in a position of emotional bondage and ruined relationships and stuff like that. This is the method that healthy people use to be really productive, connected, um, empowered people. It's self-government. So mm-hmm. that's what we're going to talk about today. And But today, as we look through that lens of self-government, our focus is going to be on happiness. Yay. La- yeah, laser focusing in on happiness. Honestly, Paige is one of the happiest people I know. <laughs> um, I consider myself a pretty happy person too, actually. I just, I don't have those days where I'm like, oh, you know, life is such a bummer. That doesn't mean you can't ever have a bad moment. Doesn't mean somebody doesn't cut you off in traffic one day or you're late somewhere or you woke up late or someone didn't do something that you wish they really would do or, you know, (laughs) all those little things happen in life or, you know, you didn't, you don't have enough money to pay the bills. I mean, I've had that happen in my life. But there's something that is always there. It's like this forever happiness, this kind of hope that, and this, and this understanding too, I think I've told myself, I don't know how many times stuff like, you know, Nicolene, if you have no money, like if you literally, if, if for some reason your husband's business fails 
and you have absolutely no money, you can always work. You have two hands, two legs, two, you can always work. And if for some reason you can't because, you know, you got a new baby or you got something, do um, you have so many family members and people around you who will help and support you through whatever you do need to do, it's going to be okay. Like it's never not going to be okay. So I don't know how many times during maybe moments of like a little bit more elevated or increased stress that I told myself, it's going to be fine. There is nothing, nobody can take these people away from me that I love. And that's all I care about. Like nobody is just going to come. I mean, they could die, I guess, but like nobody is just going to come and, and just, you know, take all of them away. And, and I guess I even have such an eternal perspective that even if they die, I feel like they're not gone from me. And yeah. so, and so I, I guess I feel like uh, I look at the world with more of an abundance mindset instead of a, a loss mindset or an I don't have, or what if I don't have mindset or, you know, and so, or why um, don't I have, <laughs> Yeah, why don't I have the question? Yeah. Instead of just going, let's get to work. Like, what do I want to do today? We got to make some progress today. And so I really find joy in just making progress each day. And, and even if I don't get as far as I want it to, which happens sometimes, you know, um, then I just start again the next day and I go, you know, apparently something really important happened today that I couldn't make the progress I wanted to on that, but I definitely kept working the whole day. So it was all good. Right. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, we're going to talk about happiness and some of the things that I do for happiness, but also I want to introduce you to a book when I read this book. So someone introduced it to me when I was speaking actually uh, to a group. So I was speaking to a group one night. Uh, about parenting, about self-government parenting. And there was this university professor who was part of the group. And she was like, Nicolene, she's like, I teach psychology at this such and such university. And, and she said, and, and I think she teaches, you know, family therapy and stuff like that. And she's like, I love what you're teaching. And she's like, but I've got to tell you about something because it reminds me of a book that I have my students read every time. The very first class that they take from me, they have to read this book because I just don't want to have to deal with them not understanding the concept of happiness and how a person achieves happiness. Like that has to be a foundation for everything else that we're going to mm -hmm. do. And I was immediately impressed at this woman because I thought good for her for not just spending all of her classes sorting through minutiae that's not going to get better through just constant sorting but instead she was like no I want them to understand happiness and so she introduced me to this book called the how of happiness and it's by Sonia Lubromirsky I'm pretty sure I butchered that last name but it's just I have never seen it before Lubromirsky that is incredible I don't even know Russian maybe I don't know anyway <laughs> it's, a, it's a bright yellow happy book though is a bright yellow happy book with a like sunshiny happy rays of sunshine anyway <laughs> and um such an awesome book so when i i thought okay i'm gonna read it if she is raving it that much and she has all of her students read this book and she thinks it relates to what i'm talking about then i'm totally gonna gonna read it and i gobbled it up i had so much fun reading this book and it's not a, a small one <laughs> but it's a fun one to listen to or to read and it it helped me organize a few thoughts that I was really grateful for because there are things that I just teach and things that I do, but I never quite organized them the same way. And they <laughs> shared, they shared something 
uh, or she shared something. She actually had some colleagues, I think that helped her with the writing of this book, um, but shared something that I felt like was phenomenal. And, and it's this pie chart for lasting happiness. And I'm gonna share that with you in just a second. But first, um, Paige, I just wanna ask you a question. If you ask most people, if you said to somebody, what do you think would make you happier? What kinds of things would people maybe normally say? Um, they'd probably say, well, I wish I had like chocolate or if I had a boyfriend or, oh man, I wish I could, you know, have more hours at work, maybe an extra room in my house um, maybe, you know, if I could have kids or if my spouse was more attentive or, you know, maybe if I could not have this chronic disability or, Hey, you know, some more money would be great. Or I just don't have time. More time would be fantastic. And you know what? Losing 20 pounds would be great too. (laughs) (laughs) Why stop at 20? Why, why <laughs> Losing 50 pounds would be great. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, those are the kinds of things people list, right? They give you this list. I'll be happy when I'm a such and such dress size. I will be happy when I live in the neighborhood I want to live in. I will be happy when I finally get pregnant and have a baby. I will be happy, you know, and oh, those things do not create lasting happiness. I have been to many, many homes, many of the very biggest homes. And there are so many people who invite me to come in and to spend time with their families and teaching their families about family unity. And guess what about happiness? Their families are struggling they don't have good happiness. They don't have good communication. Even personally, the parents are overwhelmed. They're stressed, they're whatever. And yet they've got the most beautiful home, the best car, the cutest children that are dressed the best and everything. It it really, those things that they have do not create happiness. And they think they do that they don't create lasting happiness. Maybe for a minute, maybe when you're first decorating a house, you're like, ah, this is the funnest thing ever. But then you got to clean it. And then you got to, you know, maintain it. And you got to maintain the children too and everything else. And Mm -hmm. there's always work. And I think one big thing is a lot of people think work is bad, but it's work is not bad. Yeah. No, I, I, it actually reminds me of a friend of mine. He's an older gentleman Um, but he's one of the happiest guys that I know. And, uh, he's a retired, uh, vet of, I can't remember which war, but, um, he has next to nothing and he is one of the happiest people I know. It's because he is always trying to bring happiness to other people. And he's always trying to make other people smile, to help other people out, um, to bring other people truths um, and to mainly just improve the quality of other people's lives. And I, I'm still in contact with him, even though, you know, I haven't seen him in a couple of years, but um, I, I like to call him every now and then just because I always get off the phone smiling with him. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's he's a Vietnam vet. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if there's one war that was not given a fair shake, right? It was that, that <laughs> one. I mean, the, the guys who had to deal with that war have had to deal with a lot of stuff afterward. And there was a lot of PTSD and a lot of problems that people faced. But yeah. he apparently decided he was going to have a happiness plan. Mm-hmm. He was not going to allow the fact that he might be destitute, maybe even crippled and, yeah. you know, all kinds of other things get him down that instead he was going to spend his life being happy and spreading goodness. And just that action, just that one simple action makes a huge difference in his mm-hmm. life. So I wish I could show pictures on a podcast, but I can't. Okay. <laughs> so that. There is a picture in this book. And and I have to say in this book, this is probably my favorite part of this book, The How of Happiness, right at the beginning, page 20. There is a a pie chart in this book. And this really is empowering. And so I hope you can visualize this pie chart. So if you visualize a whole pie, okay, then you cut the pie in half. Half of that pie, 50% of that pie, pie is what we might call our set point or okay so this is our personal ability to be happy or not it might be genetic it might be chemical our personality influencing our level of happiness or whatever 50% of our happiness level is influenced just by like our personalities yeah It's just like how we are. What's our baseline of happiness? So for Paige, her baseline of happiness is totally different than I know some of your own room, your old roommates, their Mm -hmm. baseline of happiness, totally different, right? Oh yeah. Than your baseline of happiness. And they'd be like, she's so happy. Maybe even (laughs) annoyingly happy. Like, uh." but there's just a baseline (laughs) of happy. Okay. Where they were just like, meh, life stinks, you know? And like that was maybe, well, probably there was more added to it than that. But their personality, (laughs) we just had a tendency to be a little bit more meh. Okay. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of factors that come in there. So that's 50%. So half of our ability to be happy is determined by just how we were made. Okay. But, but that's only half now. So I know some people could maybe hear me say that and go, see, there you go. There's no hope for me. No, no, no. No, 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 no. That's only half. Like that is only half. <laughs> so there is 50% of, of our happiness that is not determined by our chemicals, our, our genetics, everything else. Okay. And so 10%. So now if we take that existing 50% that has not been, you know, allocated yet, 10% of that existing 50 that we've not talked about yet is what we face, the circumstances in our lives. Okay. So maybe somebody dies or maybe we get a new job. Yay. Or maybe, um, somebody did something nice to us or it's our birthday or, okay. These are all circumstances. They can change periodically from time to time. This is 10% of a factor into if we're going to be happy or not be happy. So this leaves us 40% left. Now this 40% is crucial and key because that 10%, we can't do a ton about it. It's like, I mean, we can influence some of our circumstances in life, but 
for the most part, like there's just things that happen to us, right? Whether good or whether bad, they just happen. Right. And then there's who we are, right? So, so there's 60%. We can't do as much about, but this 40% is all choice. Okay. Which is a huge chunk. Yeah, it is. It is how we think and what we do. So this is our, this is intentional. 40% of our ability to be happy is based on what we choose. This is enormous because this allows us to recognize, oh my goodness, we can change our whole happiness trajectory. Mm-hmm. Because if you choose happiness 40%, like if you choose it all the time, that is going to override these other things that happen, it's going to influence, maybe you have a bad day, maybe somebody will die or, or you'll get in a car accident or, you know, something will happen that's bad, but you'll be able to be okay because of the 40%. If you can choose to find the good in every situation, if you can choose to be grateful in every situation, then you then you're are, good. yeah, you're going to be okay. It may not be the best day you ever had, but you're still a joyful, happy person. And it, but it won't be the worst day you ever had. Yeah, because I think the worst day you ever had is when you didn't know you could choose. Because right. people have worst days all the time. Day after day of worst days. I know people yeah. that have these. No, I talk to people all the time. And, and some of my good friends, they are, I guess you could say more pessimistic. And they're like, oh my gosh, this happened. Or I'm struggling with this again. And I'm just like, okay. I'm sorry you're struggling with that. Um, why don't we play a game together? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. or let's go get chocolate milk and plastic shot glasses and we'll have chocolate milk shots, you know? <laughs> let's just do something. But you know what though? Those are just little things that don't actually totally change their happiness because they are things that happen to them They're not choices that they make. So you're Mm -hmm. able to make a choice. Well, let's do something fun. Let's do something optimistic. But them coming along with you means it just happened to them. So it falls Mm -hmm. in the 10% category. And after the, after drinking chocolate milk or whatever it is, is done, (laughs) then back to where they were, they're back to where they were. That's the problem because they have to use the 40%. They, and how do you do it? So that's what we're going to talk about. Okay. We are going to talk about how to maximize that 40%, how to use that 40% to become a a lastingly happy person. Okay, so here's an important thing. You can't make a person lastingly happy. No, it has to be a choice. It almost has to be a change of heart. Totally. That's a great way to say it. So lasting happiness is possible with a change of heart. Mm Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. Exactly. Exactly. So let's talk about these 20 strategies. I have so many and I, I'm like 20 in one podcast. That's probably way too. <laughs> well, much. you know, we're not going to be able to go in depth per se, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll have a few thoughts on each one. And, but you can like ponder them for yourself, look yeah. them up, study them, see where you find them in other places. Yeah. Well, the first and, one, I know like, cause a lot of these, like, yeah, we, we can tell you how to do them or like what they are, but like we said, it's a choice. You have to actually, you know, do it. And so like, you know, just right off the bat, the first one is, you know, pick things that you enjoy. And that's, I don't know. It almost seems like that's self-explanatory, like no duh, you know, but 
I know for me, that's one of the biggest things. Like one of my hobbies is crocheting. I love to crochet. I think it's fun. And so, you know, when I have the time and resources, I do it and it, it makes me happy, you know? And yeah. Other, so okay. I say another thing is, um, practicing the organ because I'm the organist in my, um, religious congregation right now. And, you know, it's not something I would say I'm very good at, but I will lose myself in the music when I go and practice and mm-hmm. I love it. It's therapeutic. It's so happy. And it's even so, though it's work, like I love it. the spirit of joy and love. And yeah. So what do you enjoy? You need to ask yourself that question. I think that's the biggest thing mm-hmm. is many people don't even take the time to decide on something to enjoy. And here's the, here's the other thing is I think there's some people who think, what if I pick wrong? There's what if no I pick wrong. something that I don't enjoy it? <laughs> well, then pick something else. <laughs> it's, okay. it's fine. You don't have to be committed to something you don't enjoy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, like if you're like, I think I enjoy gardening. And then you start it and you're like, I don't. Okay, <laughs> then, then try something else. <laughs> then maybe try to develop a joy there so you don't have as many weeds that can help your overall, you know. But like <laughs> pick something else. Um, you know, pick... I now want to learn how to build a computer or, you know, something else, pick something else. So something you want to learn or something you want to do. Those are two categories for enjoy. Um, Try to stay away from things that happen to you. So if you say, oh, I really enjoy when someone takes me out to dinner, when someone massages my feet, (laughs) when someone gives me you know, whatever, fill in the blank. Those are not the right kinds That's of things part that of the we're 10%. talking about. Yeah, those are the 10%. And we're only influencing the 40% here because this 40% is bigger than the 10%. It can conquer the, in, it can conquer the other 60 or at least influence it for good. Oh, for sure. So, yeah, so pick things you enjoy. If you pick one and then you realize you don't enjoy it, go on to the next thing on your list. And don't worry <laughs> about having a weird grand list. You could be like, I enjoy making rubber band balls. Great. Then just do it. (laughs) Oh, like it doesn't, it doesn't have to be something that's socially acceptable per se. Try to have it be moral. Otherwise it's going to influence your happiness in (laughs) direction, but it doesn't have to be something other people care about. I think that's the other thing, you know, but make sure it's something that you do for yourself, not because someone else you know, is influencing it upon you. But I think that also leads into number two, which is commit acts of kindness. I know when I'm doing things I enjoy, like when I crochet stuff, a lot of times I'll crochet things for other people. I know when I was on my service mission for our church, um, there were some young men who they really loved sock ties. And if you don't know what those are, um, they're like almost like knitted ties, stuff like that. Anyway, so I said, you know, I bet I can make one of those. And so I said, hey, if you buy me yarn, I will make you guys ties. And they were so excited. And so they bought me yarn and I crocheted, you know, these these ties for them within just a couple of hours. And they loved them. And soon I had, you know, um, people from all over the area where I was serving. They're like, oh, we got to have a tie. You know, how much does yarn cost? This, that, and the other. And um, anyway, so I made lots of ties. But you know, it was, it was something that I could do for, for free and something that I enjoyed doing and I saw made other people happy as well. Yeah, so you combined number one and two there. 
pick something you enjoy crochet and commit an act of kindness with it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There you go. You shared it. You shared it with other people. So when we do an act of kindness, um, when we share something of ourselves, we share something we baked or we share a talent or something we know with somebody else. First off, make sure that they are receptive to the kindness. That's yeah. important. If they don't want it, do not push it on them. This is <laughs> a rule. It will not go the way you want it to go if you push it on them. Anyway, but there are some things that the committing act of kindness does. So you'll see yourself as a more compassionate person, mm-hmm. which is a really great thing. Because when you see yourself as compassionate, you engage in more loving ways with everyone around you. And when you engage in loving ways with the other people around you, then your bonds and connections increase. And that makes your happiness level go up because being bonded and connected to other people is a key factor in having lasting happiness. You have to have Mm -hmm. good relationships. So that compassion of others can lead to relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think something else I heard, um, a quote one time, it said, one act of kindness always sparks another. And so mm. um, it's, it's important to, you know, do those acts of kindness, because then it inspires other people to be kind to other people as well. Yeah. Okay. So here's another thing that acts of kindness do is they help you feel in control of your life. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. Like you look at your day and you say, what act of kindness am I going to do today for somebody? Oh, look, it's garbage day. I'm going to go take in everybody's garbage cans in my circle. Then all of a sudden you have purpose. You have control over your life. That one minute or those, those 10 minutes that it takes to take everyone on your streets, garbage cans up to their, you know, up to their house or whatever, you now have control over that minute. You don't have to worry about your feelings. You don't have to worry about what is not going well in your life, all the other things that may seem hard, you don't have to worry about it. And Mm -hmm. so it just strengthens you. All right. So, so let's move on to number three. Number three is sometimes we need normal life. Okay. (laughs) So, and this is a perfect one to follow acts of kindness because there are some people who see their lives in this way. When they say, all I ever do is serve. I serve the children. I serve my husband. I serve the neighbor, I serve the church, I serve the what you know, fill in the blank. Okay. And so I serve the dog. I just keep I serving. do nothing for myself. Yeah. Well, you know, and and the thing is is that service brings a person great happiness. But then there's also this point where you have to have like normal life. So you have to have this minute where you just sit and read a book for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. Or like for me. I serve people like crazy. Like I'm like this podcast is, is me in my mind serving <laughs> other people. Okay. And when I mentor people, I have mentor calls with people and I I'm serving them. I'm taking time, listening to what's going on in their families, helping them um, make changes for the better there. Um, when I create programs, when I write articles, when I, this is all in an effort to try to help other people. It is all duty driven for me. It's something where I just feel like I've got to make the world a better place. I pro- I'm probably so happy all the time because I give so much service and kindness mm-hmm. to people. But there's a point when I say, I just want to make a really nice dinner. Like I just want to, even though that's still service, I, I want to do something kind of like a fancy dessert or a, or I want to go pull weeds. I just want to feel like life's normal. I don't want to be on a plane anymore. I want to just 
sit and be normal with somebody. And sometimes when I've stayed at other people's houses, like when I've gone out of town for different things and I, and I've gotten the opportunity to occasionally stay at people's homes. I'm like, I just want to sit and play with your children. I just want to do normal stuff <laughs> instead of having to do. Now I will teach you something else. Cause now I, I will analyze do. your life and tell you what to do better. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, cause that's what people always want me to do. And that's fine. I'm happy to help. It, but then there's a point where if I can just pull weeds for a little while, if I can just shell nuts or I don't know, clean something, it makes me feel <laughs> like normal life happened. And I need that. So we all need to have a touch with normal life. If we don't have normal life, we can't follow through on some of our own goals. So maybe I have a goal to make a photo album. Well, that photo album that I'm going to be making is, is just going to be for me or my posterity if they care, but it's something I want to do. And I need to make a little bit of time for those goals mm -hmm. to happen too. So that's what I really mean by have a normal life. Yeah, to say that that leads to number four, which is express gratefulness or gratitude. And and I think in those moments where we do have just normal life, you know, especially if it's not as consistent as we would like, it's it's easy for us to see how grateful we are for it. Mm. Um, but I think just in general, just expressing gratitude. Um, in fact, <clears throat> just these last couple of weeks. I've been having experiences that have required me to be a little more patient, you know, be a little more compassionate and understanding. And um, I realized yesterday, I'm like, you know, I'm actually really grateful for these experiences because it's helping me grow as a person mm -hmm. and it's helping me become better and helping me understand where I'm needed and what I can do to improve, you know, the little world around me. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really interesting and actually helped to change my perspective on things because having experiences that require patience and understanding can be annoying and aggravating mm -hmm. or, and even if they are, if you choose to have the mindset of like, oh my gosh, this is so annoying, then you're not going to be grateful for those opportunities. But if you say, okay, what can I learn from this? Then that gratitude comes a whole lot easier. Yeah. So true. And, and we can be grateful for the little things. Like if you ask my children, oh, what's my mom's favorite thing? They'll almost all say weeding because, <laughs> I, because I am grateful for those moments to sit in my yard and pull weeds, even though I'm sweating and I'm hot and I'm dirty and I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I get to just touch the earth and grow things. Well, and, and that's time where you up. get to think. Because we know that that's where you do a lot of pondering while your yeah. hands are busy and you just think about stuff. And so <laughs> yeah. you'll come in from weeding and be like, guys, I just had this great idea. <laughs> like, oh, boy. Like, oh, no. <laughs> Been in the yard again. Yeah. All right. Let's, so let's go to number five. So um, number five, it really follows number four really well because um, it is to turn your emotions or your thoughts into words and sentences. So mm -hmm. to actually write those things down, when you have gratitude, write it down, you know, keep a journal or, or a little tell someone. book. Yeah. Or tell someone, put it into words and sentences. So tell someone how grateful for them that you really are. Uh, I, people probably think I'm a little weird because I do this. 
Okay. So I'll look at somebody and I'll say, wow, thank you so much for thinking of asking if you can help, even though I don't need <laughs> any like, help what? right now. <laughs> yeah. Or thank you so much for, you know, I really appreciate you seeing that that dish needed to be put in the sink or, um, or, you know, sometimes I'll just look at my friends out of the blue and I'll say, do you realize what a blessing you are in my life? How grateful I am <laughs> to have a friend like you. Truly, I am so blessed. And they're like, wow, thanks. You know, but I just, you have to put it sometimes into words and into sentences so that you know it's for real. And so that the other people get the opportunity to sense the realness of your gratitude too and mm -hmm. and then it becomes it, it's something you can't go back on once you said it once you wrote it down it it's really there. happened yeah mm -hmm. and then when we're documenting in word written word and and verbal word how good life is and how we're so blessed then how can we just keep thinking it's terrible all the time we can't so we've got to open our mouths and we've got to say more yeah, which actually leads to number six, um, which is dispute negative thoughts and find truths. Because if you're focusing on writing down everything good that happened, then there's little room for those negative uh, thoughts that you have. So it just it just kind of depends. So um, yeah. So when you're disputing a negative thought, um, this is what the house how of happiness said about this, and and I love this because you know it's kind of something I just naturally do, but. Um, they said, dispute the negative belief. So challenge it. Okay. Think of other possible reasons for the problem. For example, perhaps my friend has been extremely busy and that's why they haven't called me. You know, I remember her mentioning she had a lot of work to do or something, or maybe she's feeling down and she wants me to call her. You know, like start thinking of other possibilities. So when you start thinking this thought inside, like, oh, she doesn't call me. She probably doesn't like me. Challenge <laughs> it. Dispute it. Don't let yourself stay there. When the second you recognize, wait a minute, that's a negative thought, then then challenge it. So what I do is, is I use those negative thoughts as triggers to, for me to challenge. Like, whoa. I'm not going to go feeling bad about that person. I'm not going to start thinking negative about that person. Like Paige could talk to me about some deal that she's having maybe, you know, with a friend or somebody. And, and I'm not going to say like in the moment in my mind, if I think, Oh, well that friend, she, you know, she's having some serious issues. I could go down the track of that friend is messed up. That friend needs to go. That friend is not impacting my daughter. Well, you know, like I could go down that track, but the second I think, Oh, that friend is really, you know, struggling right now. Um, I, then I trigger like, okay, so there's a kind of a sad thought about my daughter that she has a friend that might be making life hard for her right now. And so then my trigger is, but wait, what don't I understand about this friend? And so then I try to contest the thought, to, um, to dispute it and to say, well, what do I really need to be seeing here? Oh, maybe this friend um, doesn't have the skills for how to be a good friend. Maybe this friend is still maturing and trying to grow up and, 
needs to learn a lot of life lessons still. And yeah. we need to be understanding of that. You and know? I think that's really key for, you know, relationships like that, but also for the next step, number seven, which is to forgive. Cause I think the more that you understand someone, the more you can forgive them and give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, I know this happened for me a lot. I had a roommate that was, um, a little difficult to live with at times. Um, but she, you know, she would complain a lot about all the negative things that were happening in her life. And there were times where she would just kind of get angry and it would end up lashing out on me and the rest of my roommates. And so, in fact, there were times where I talked with my roommates and I was just like, you know, she doesn't quite know how to manage this yet. And so it kind of, sometimes it lashes out on us and we just need to be able to forgive her. Um, if it gets to a point where it's a little much, then yeah, we'll talk to her about it. But we just need to be able to forgive and try to understand because yeah. seeking revenge on things like that doesn't ever make someone happy. It definitely makes you unhappy. And so mm-hmm. looking to forgive instead of to have revenge is always better and will always lead to more happiness. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's look at number eight. So number eight is um, you have to maintain a balance. If you can think of like a little scale in your mind on one side, progressing toward your goals on the other side, living in the moment or, or, or being in that moment, whatever. Oh, that that's a hard is. one for us. <laughs> okay. So, so this is, this is essential to have balance between the two of those because if you are only in the moment, then it's like, oh, right now I feel tired. Right now mm-hmm. I feel unappreciated. Right now. And so your whole life becomes tired and unappreciated. But if you remember that there's this balance between, but where are you going? Mm-hmm. Who are you becoming? What is your goal in life? What is your friendship goal? What is your occupation goal? What is your academic goal? I mean, you could get trapped in like, I don't know, the, the doldrums of social media and never break out and go toward any goal that you have for your life. Yeah. No, I actually have a friend like that. He, um, he was talking to me, he's like, you know, I kind of just grew up learning to, you know, roll with the punches. I never really had any goals in my life. And so I just, I just kind of go with it as it is. And like, just talking about this right now, I'm like, oh my gosh, his balance is totally off because he's living in the moment his whole life. And so he has no idea where he's going or what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And so he has no idea how to like balance things out and to, yeah, maybe live in the moment, but also work towards goals and dreams because he doesn't yeah. have goals and dreams. It's really important for parents to help establish this balance when children are young. So that's where in the teaching self-government parenting model, we talk about having mentor sessions Mm -hmm. and different planning sessions with children to help them prepare. And with you children at each stage of development, I was like, what's next? When do you want to start college? What do you want to do with your occupation? What do you want to do with your religious service? What do you want to do with, you know, and you, and we were constantly setting goals, following up on goals. But then of course, in the day to day, we had to adapt to what was going on. Right. But we always Mm -hmm. had that balance between the two and, And some people that just, okay, well, I'm just going to do whatever my parents (laughs) say or whatever my teacher says or whatever my whatever. And then they're just stuck in the short term all the time. And unhappy people are trapped in short term. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have to have long term or you don't have happiness. So that's a real thing. 
I think a big thing for that, which leads us into number nine, you have to be, number nine is you have to be open to being happy. Some people, they get caught up in like, sometimes, you know, they're super goal-driven and there's like, okay, I have to do this and this and this and this, and these are the next steps for to achieving my goal, but they don't allow themselves to have joy and to be happy in that journey. One of the leaders for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, Dieter F. Uchtdorf, one of his, you know, quotes that a lot of people love is, you know, find joy in the journey. Don't let the end goal be where your joy is. And I think that's super important, whether it's, you know, you're in college or you're married or, you know, what are you're single, whatever, like you got to find joy and be open to the possibility of happiness wherever you are in life's mm-hmm. journey. And that's huge because then that there are so many things that bring happiness Um, Mm -hmm. So many things that we can choose to find and choose to pursue that will bring happiness, but you have to be open to it. You can't be looking for it somewhere and not find it where you are. Yeah. Good one. Good one. Okay. So this brings us to number 10 and this one might surprise you. Uh, Definitely doesn't surprise me because I've (laughs) seen it so many times, but um, religiosity usually increases happiness. I mean, if you think about religions, they give hope, they give um, truth, they give this feeling of renewal, like repentance, moving on, leaving the old you behind, becoming the new you. So um, religiosity usually for most people is a source of increased happiness. Now, obviously, you could take religious principles and you could beat yourself up over them or you could Mm -hmm. take them the wrong way or whatever and not find hope in them. Um, But then I, but then I would say then challenge it, you know, then really challenge the way you're processing it. Because usually when you challenge truths from um, longstanding religious faiths, you find, no, that really is a truth. That's one of those hard and fast principles and truths. We see it all around us. We see it in the plants. We see it in society. We see it everywhere. So, um, you know, increase your, your religious worship and your religious practices, even if it's just individually, you know, opening up scripture, reading it, praying more often, um, you know, having some dialogues in your mind and in your heart with God, um, and then starting to, you know, boost up that worship, that's going to help you increase your happiness. Yeah. Another Uh, thing that will help increase is number 11, which is to exercise. And I know I need to do better at this, but (laughs) when you exercise, it actually increases your happiness because it, um, chemically to your body, it, um, helps to, you know, speed things up, you know, your metabolism. It also creates more endorphins in your brain. Um, so chemically it helps you to be more happy. Um, And so, you know, this is something that I have actually struggled with quite a lot. (laughs) Um, But, you know, one of my New Year's resolutions is to do better at that. Um, But I think that one is really, really big for helping chemically. So that helps with that 50% has influence over that 50% of who we are and, you know, our our body makeup, our chemical makeup um, to help increase our happiness in our lives. Um, And another the next step 12 is to avoid overthinking. And this is something that I know a lot of people do. (laughs) Um, 
in fact, it was really funny for Christmas. My younger brother, Porter, got my younger sister, London, a shirt that had the loading sign on it. And it said overthinking. And, you know, it was just, it was kind of funny because she does tend to overthink things. Um, and I've actually seen as she overthinks things, she gets stressed out and she's like, oh, what about this? Or, you know, this could happen. And she she just doesn't allow necessarily herself to just kind of live in the moment you know have that little balance of living in the moment versus like going towards goals and okay so there you go that's where that other one can it can be thrown off the other way can't yeah. it? I, I want this I want this this is my goal 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 well but wait a second what if you miss a question on the test it's okay it's fine <laughs> it's okay it's gonna be okay yeah overthinking this is a major one um when we say avoid overthinking, what we're really saying is avoid stress, yeah. <laughs> avoid anxiety, because when you're overthinking, you're creating anxiousness. Yeah. Like if you yourself. think about it in moments, like looking back in moments when I was stressed, I realized I was just replaying things over and over and over in my head. And I was thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And so I'm like, oh man, that's really hard. I'm not going to be able to do that. Oh no. What if this happens? Or, oh no, this hasn't happened yet oh, we're, you know, we're sunk, we're toast. And so I know people that make lists and lists and lists and lists and don't do anything, but never actually do. Yeah. That is overthinking. That is like, oh, my list, my list. It's so much. It's so (laughs) much. And I actually, I just do. I don't spend so much time planning that I never (laughs) take action I'm like no I just do planning is important and it is important to be planned I mean goodness with teaching self-government I'm always talking about you got to make a plan but that doesn't mean like you never take action though I think some people who are maybe natural overthinkers they would say I'm not perfect yet at at uh, being calm so I can't correct my children I'm not perfect yet at all these skills so I can't (laughs) teach my children I'm not perfect yet no 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 you work on it and and teach it to them. Like you just, yeah. like, well, also just, happens in the business too. Like I know for me, um, I'm a independent beauty consultant for Mary Kay. And so, so I find myself thinking sometimes I'm like, Oh shoot. Okay. I don't know exactly how this is all going to go. Oh man, I'm not going to be able to do this just right. You know, when I have appointments and I'm not going to be able to teach them everything about, you know, the makeup or the skincare that I'm selling. And I'm like, Oh, and then I'm like, wait, you've already done, you know, lots of appointments and they've gone great you're fine like you're learning new skills yeah but implement them one at a time you're fine (laughs) plus each person is a new person you're gonna feel like you're a hundred percent ready for every single thing there's a point where you have to have faith that you are enough for your own life Mm -hmm. yeah and if you you if you mess up you just do just laugh and say, well, I guess we'll do better next time. <laughs> I didn't know something. Shocker. You know, oh, wow. like you don't have to know everything, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, so let's move on to number 13. Number 13 is to find social support. So, you know, a lot of people who are not happy, they push others away. This is a bad thing. Yeah. We need to be bringing other people into our lives, right? So talk to somebody about something, you know, mm-hmm. and if you have to use a therapist, use a therapist, but, but talk to your parents, talk to your siblings, talk to friends. And if you don't have social support, 
that's another reason to go to church. Just mm-hmm. saying. <laughs> there's lots of people, friends there. <laughs> there's some people that probably go to church for the religious aspect. And there's others that, you know, you might say sadly, but it's a legitimate reason to be honest, probably yeah. go there for the social support and to have people who are happy, who will help them go in a good direction, which is a and good start. That's a good start. And that's okay too. Exactly. So make sure you've got a social support team around you. That is super important. And having that social support is actually a really good foundation for number 14, which is to resolve or commit to choose happiness. Because if you have that support around you, if you have friends who are already committed to being happy, then it's a whole lot easier for yourself to say, you know what, I'm going to be like my friend and I'm going to just choose to be happy. Because why would I not? You know, I know for me, I have a really good friend who is always happy and she's always making me smile. Um, and she's, <laughs> she's a great influence in my life. Um, and she's, she's always happy. You know, she's a little more on the sarcastic happy side. But, um, <laughs> you know, I just love her to bits. But she and a lot of other people are some of the reasons why I have always chosen to be happy. And it's, it's, it can be a lot harder when you don't have support, whether from your spouse or from, you know, friends, but that choice nonetheless is very important. I think the big thing is, the big thing is you have to know it is your choice. Mm -hmm. It is your choice, whether you are going to be happy or not, because you've got 40% to choose with. Yeah. And sure, there may have been a bad day. Sure, somebody else may not be acting how you want them to. Maybe they're not even being supportive of you. But at the end of the day, you go, wait a minute, I'm not happy. And I choose happiness. I am picking it. So I often tell this story of my vice principal in junior high. (laughs) And um, his name was Mr. Naylor. Love him. Walked down the hall one day. And he said, hi, Nicolene, how are you? And I said, I'm pretty good, thank you. And I said, how are you doing, Mr. Naylor? And he said, I'm happy. Thank you. That just like blew my mind. (laughs) And I went to his office later that day. It was like on lunch break or something. I went to his office and I said, Mr. Naylor, can I talk to you? And he's like, sure. And I said, you know, (laughs) earlier this morning, you asked me how I was doing. And I said, pretty good, because that's what people say. And I said, but then I asked you, how are you doing? And you said, I'm happy. Thank you. Why did you say that? See, I'm very pointed. And he's like, <laughs> he looks at me. I'm like 13 or 14, you know. He looks at me and he goes, Nicolene, why would I choose to be any other way? And I was like, boom. <laughs> what? Why would you choose? I never thought of that. Why would I choose to be any other way? I mean, it just blew my mind. And then I said to him, okay, yeah, but like there's days that are bad, right? There's some days where things don't go exactly right. And he looked at me, he's this World War II vet, super wise man. And he said, Nicolene, sure, there's days that aren't perfect where things go wrong, of course. But when somebody asks me how I am and I say, I'm happy, thank you. Then in that minute, I am reminding myself that I get to choose to be happy. And I'm choosing it right then. Why would I choose to be any other way? Boom. 
resolve, commit, choose it, just pick it, just pick it. Well, and just from, just from that story, he's doing number 15. Number 15 is to reach for it. You know, if days aren't going so well and you know, he says, I'm happy. Thank you. He's choosing to reach for happiness, even if he's not Mm -hmm. happy. Mm -hmm. And so that's something, and I've like from personal experience, I know that it's hard to do sometimes because there are some days where something goes really wrong or I completely flunk a test or, you know, whatever. I fail a class in college and I have to retake it the next semester, you know, whatever. There, there are times where I literally think I just want to be sad right now. I want to cry and I want to be held, you know, and I don't want to be happy. But then after about 10 minutes, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I want to be happy now. (laughs) Just because, you know, that's who I am. But like my brain tricks me into thinking that I want to be sad. Mm. But when you choose to actively reach for happiness, that just that act increases happiness so much. And it, it helps your brain to think positively and to think, hey, you know, I'm sad right now. Why am I sad? Okay, this is stupid. I don't need to be sad. You know, I can go and do the dishes because that needs to be done. And I know I'll feel happy, you know, once that's accomplished and I can actually see the bottom of the sink, you know? Love that. Love that. Okay. So you're now you're starting to touch on some of the other ones that we've got to get to. (laughs) Okay. So 16, get to work. So that's what you did. Wait, I've got to do the dishes and I will feel good after I do the dishes. Because you do, you get this sense of accomplishment. Like I did that. I did something. I had control over action. that. Yeah, exactly. I took control over that minute. <laughs> so you know what? Forget yourself and get to work. We actually have a sign in our house that says that, that my husband bought years ago. It says, forget yourself and get to work. And that's a quote by Gordon B. Hinckley. Anyway, um, love that. Actually, it was it was his father who gave that. Who told him that? Yeah, yeah. He he was pouting one day about something, and he's like, "Forget yourself and get to work." Mm-hmm. Like, oh my goodness, that is so important. What a great <laughs> lesson for life. Just get to work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that. seventeen after get to work is live truthfully and embrace our rules, and that's okay. huge because, like, in that moment where you're choosing happiness, you're reaching for it. You know, you're thinking, you know what? I'm a strong, independent woman. Or you know what? I am a capable man. And I can do things like that. So I think part of reaching for it is almost, it's it's definitely a mental reach where you are affirming to yourself, hey, I know who I am. And this isn't me. Being sad is not me. Mm-hmm. You know, I am going to do the things I know are true. And I, you know, for me, you know, I'm a wife and I'm a daughter and you know, someday I'll be a mother. And so my role, you know, as a wife is, Hey, you know, I'm here to be a homemaker, but also to, you know, improve and, um, bless the lives of others around me. Um, especially my husband, what can I do for my husband? You Mm -hmm. know? And so you just live according to the principles that you know, to be true and embrace and, um, grow and improve upon your roles. Well, and these self-evident roles, like, okay, I am a woman. That is a role I have. It's self-evident. I am a wife. Like you were saying, I am a mother in my case. These are self-evident roles. I I can't get out of them. I could try to pretend they don't exist and live a different (laughs) way, but they are there. So I have to embrace the truth then. The Mm -hmm. truth is 
that when I live according to these rules, I am meant to find happiness. Yeah. No one is meant to be unhappy. Life is supposed to be about happiness. And we are given roles as we go through lives. As we go through our life, we're given the role of daughter, of son, of sister, brother, parent, you know, and these are the roles that are supposed to lead us to happiness. So yeah. And that actually leads to number 18, which is give grace and receive grace. Because as you're going through and figuring out those roles, some people are not going to have everything figured out quite yet, you know? And so you have to be gracious and you have to be forgiving and you have to be able to give that. But you also have to understand that you're not fully um, developed yet either. You know, you're Mm -hmm. still working on embracing your roles and figuring everything out. And so you have to be willing to receive that grace you know, receive that forgiveness and understanding from other people. And sometimes that can be really hard, especially if you're a prideful person. Um, I've had to get over that multiple times. (laughs) And so true. Let's just, let's just, uh, if you're a religious person, right, then we we're always trying to be a little bit more like, like God is and how he treats us and that kind of thing. And, and, and not have that pride, be a little bit more humble. Yeah. and receive that grace that he offers. But but it's also up to us to try to be like him. And so we have to give grace to other people, even people that have wronged us in very bad ways. Mm-hmm. Because there are some people that I know have suffered things I, I have not experienced myself. And I know they have been very difficult, life-altering things, um, horrible wrongs, you know, that some people do uh, to others. Yeah. And But there's still a point where you have to go, you know what, though? I'm not your judge. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to allow you to have a bad minute in your history because I can't <laughs> stop it. Yeah. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to now turn my mind on somebody who can help me heal through this because I'm not letting it hold me down. And you know what? I hope it doesn't hold you down. I hope you fix yourself yeah. and then move on. Well, I think a big part of that is allowing yourself to like part of that is allowing yourself to feel those emotions because I think some people are prideful and don't receive grace because they are afraid of the emotions that come with it which is actually number 19 you know a time to embrace and a time to refrain so from emotions and so so this comes from Ecclesiastes uh three five so it says in Ecclesiastes three five there's a time to cast away stones and a time to gather There's a time to embrace emotions, okay? And a time to refrain, think, emotions. Or it could be all kinds of things, you know, chocolate. There could be all (laughs) kinds of things there. Um, I do love chocolate. I'm just going to say it. I just do. It's really bad. Anyway, but, um, but but there's a time to say, okay, I have this feeling right now and I need to sort it and I need to- And acknowledge it. I need to acknowledge it and I need to share it with somebody else and have a discussion about it. You know, okay, that's a time where you're embracing, but then there's a time to refrain or there's a time to throw that stone away and say, you know what? This this emotion that's happening right now, this is not going to take over my life. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to allow it to. This, it does not get to have that type of control over me. I get to pick, I've sorted it, I'm done, and I'm literally done now. I am dropping the subject. I am casting it away. It's not happening anymore. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, but I love that that is number 19 because it leads so well into 20, our last one, which is to love life. If you have that ability to cast away those emotions, say, you know what, I'm not going to let this control me anymore. Then you have so much potential and so much capacity to love life. Mm-hmm. And that's something that teaching self-government helps people to do. It gives them the skills they need to sort out and analyze everything they're going through, you know, themselves and to cast away what doesn't need to be there and to take on what does need to be there so that you can truly love life. That's something that I have learned and experienced from teaching self-government because I grew up with the teaching self-government principles and being an adult now and seeing, you know, being on my own with my own little family and having to be there for myself and to analyze myself, I've learned, wow, I actually really do love life because I'm able to say, you know what? Yeah, this is annoying, but I'm not going to let it run my day or wow, that was really sad. I did not want that to happen, but you know what? That's just something that's going to happen for one day and I'm not going to let it control my life or all the days. Yeah. And so it's something that I've really come to see as I become an adult and comparing my experience to say my friends' experiences, you know, as they've grown up and they're like, oh my gosh, life sucks. Life is awful, you know, and people are just horrible. And um, just to see them focus on the negative, I'm like, guys, we don't have to do that. You know, and I think that's why a lot of people, they actually do tend to come to me and they say, hey, you know, this is happening. And I'll say, oh, and I'll listen. I'm like, okay, well, do you want advice on this? You know, cause I have advice to give. Um, and if they do like, yay, I can share things with people, you know, help them to love life more. But that also is a choice. So it, yes, it's an outcome of choosing all the other 19 things, but it's also a choice. Now you don't have to pick all 19 at once. I mean, all well, no. 20 at once. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. If you can embrace all 20 of these truths, because they are truths, people that do these things, you know, it's been proven. If you read the how of happiness, it talks about clinical studies that they've done where people who have clinically diagnosed depression, not just situational depression, have shown great gains just by deciding three things they're thankful for every day. Three things. Taking one action every day to decide three things they're thankful for brings them to another level of happiness. Gratitude is that powerful. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, this is huge. And it's funny that people are doing science about it, that for some reason, we don't just know this, you know? <laughs> I mean, that th- we can't just see from other people's example, oh, that person's such a grateful person. I'm going to be like them because they're happy. And then we become happy because that's what happens. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, we're missing passing on some of these things, or maybe just so many people right now are lacking in happiness. So they're struggling in that way. But if you can get to a point where you can do all 20 of these things, you're going to have a great life. But even if you pick one to start with of these 20 options, what one resonates to you? Do you need, do you need to just list three things that you're grateful for every day? Okay. Well then start there, do that. And then start by, you know, serving somebody else and then start by, and then the next thing, you know, contest or dispute those. Or find something you enjoy about other people. 
Yeah. Find something you enjoy. There's so many things that we've just discussed that you could take and embrace. What things do you need to let go? What things do you need to bring in? What actions do you need to take? And, you know, part of it truly is deciding not to take the lazy path. Okay. Mm -hmm. You don't find happiness on the lazy path. Happiness isn't something that happens to you. It's something that you do. And I hope you can see this with the whole list of things that we've just shared. This has been a great podcast talking about the how of happiness. Thank you so much for joining us. If you want to find out more things that you can do to increase your happiness, improve your relationships, be sure to go to teachingselfgovernment.com and we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.